A shakeup on the San Francisco 49ers defensive line. Former Raider Cleveland Farrell in. Uh, Isaiah Oliver, former Falcon, cornerback in. Niners will lose, though, two big contributors on the defensive line from last year. Charles Amenahu and Samson Abukam. More moves as well as we're in the new year. We're in the new league year here. Free agency frenzy on Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, this episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. More moves for the 49ers, Croc. Um, let's start with the, the positive news. Let, let's start with who the 49ers have added to the equation here in free agency. And uh, a couple of under-the-radar moves, Croc. And we don't have dollar numbers on these deals but i have a feeling they're going to be a lot cheaper than the players that the 49ers lost at the same positions in cleveland farrell and isaiah oliver and and i like both additions here and and i like both players pre-draft both players somewhat stumbled in their first destination in the nfl but i think there's still some potential there because they're veterans but sort of younger veterans just coming off their rookie contracts and let's start with the former raider former clemson tiger former national champion cleveland farrell who was just two picks after Nick Bosa, Croc, in, in 2019. He was the fourth pick in the NFL draft. Um, he's a big dude. He looks the part. He's just not really the, a twitched-up defensive end, and that's where he failed in the NFL. Uh, he, Ten sacks in four seasons for the Raiders. And look, the 49ers, Croc, have had a really good track record of uh, taking those players. In, in fact, was Arden Key from the same draft? Arden Key, Uh-oh. former Raider. I think Arden Key had even less production for the Raiders, like three sacks in three seasons or something. I think it was the year before, actually, uh, in the draft. Um, and got himself paid twice now since he came through and played for Chris Kucerich. So this is uh, another reclamation project for Chris Kucerich, and I like it because it's a buy low. It's a one-year contract. We'll see what the numbers are, but I have a feeling the dollars are are low and much, much lower than what we saw with Samson Abelcom and Charles Amenahu that we're lost via free agency that we'll talk about momentarily. But what are your thoughts first on Cleveland Farrell, new defensive end for the San Francisco 49ers? You know, for some of these guys and people are asking, you know, me about it on social media and stuff. And, you know, we evaluated these guys coming out of college. And, and that's one evaluation. And the NFL, the way they do it is you got your college scouting department and then you have your pro personnel scouting department, right? So now you're on the pro side of things. Whatever they were in college, and you can kind of maybe like a fit, uh, maybe more so for your team, but there is film of them in the NFL, right? So what have they been since then? I say with Cleveland Farrell, even coming out, he was a guy who was more of a high motor guy than someone that was going to win consistently based off of his athleticism, technique, etc. right? Like even like you look at Nick Bosa, not the most freakish athlete, but the, the most polished guy out there and is extremely strong and very efficient from play and play out. I, I didn't quite see that with Clean Farrell. And then you see him get to the NFL, same draft, they have Max Crosby, right? They got Max Crosby, I believe, in the fourth round. And he is, I mean, come on, he's one of the best defensive linemen and- in the NFL. The, the Raiders, I mean, they, they found a gem in, in Max Crosby, which I'm sure made them feel better about that draft, but they passed up on a, a bunch of other stud defensive linemen. Brian Burns, Josh, uh, Allen, Josh Allen. Brian yeah. Burns, too, for Farrell, who met 
the size standard and you know and like you mentioned croc i think a lot of it too is he's a high character guy high motor player good locker room player you know you could trust that he was going to be a pro and he has been that he just hasn't been a dynamic edge player yeah it kind of reminds me of a guy by the name of solomon thomas right coming out of stanford high motor um, obviously he had good sack production in that last year, but he was a guy who essentially kind of was this tweener and was going to win based on, oh man, he's a high motor, high character guy. John Lynch had a class with him at Stanford. Sometimes that doesn't work out, man. Take the freakish athlete and then just yeah. see how that, how that kind of works for you. And with Cleveland Farrell, this will be good because one thing that he has working for him going to the San Francisco 49ers, one, you got Nick Bosa on the field. So that's always going to help. Now you guys, you know, Hargrave, you got... Uh, Eric Armstead and you also have the guy that's kind of the puppet master of the whole thing who has really turned some uh, teams around or uh, edge rushers or just you know defense alignment around in general with Chris Kassirik so uh, can Chris Kassirik work his magic once again and just really have a serviceable player I don't think he has to come in and be a seven sack type guy but kind of like Arden Key who really got going down the stretch man can you come in can you be productive uh, can you be versatile? Can you get four or five sacks and, and just get a sack here and there when the 49ers need it? And if they could just get that type of protection out of them, I think they'd be very excited about the signing. Yeah, and, and Charles Minihu, too, I think he's a similar player, and he's going to have that same role. I think we know exactly how Cleveland Farrell is going to be used for the 49ers. He's going to be a rotational guy. Who knows? He might even roll out there and start because he could be a run defender as an edge player on early downs, and then he could rotate in the interior and be a pass rusher from the inside, just like we saw Arden Key, just like we saw from Charles Minihu. And he can push the pocket a little bit. He's a powerful guy. He's a strong guy. Um, he's got a high motor. So I think he really fits in from a character standpoint, fits in from a locker room standpoint. And look, if you are a defensive lineman trying to resurrect your career or just get it kick-started to begin with, playing for the San Francisco 49ers on a defensive line with Nick Bosa and, and defensive line coach Chris Kucerich, I, I think it's a, a smart move. And you can tell he's got some smarts as well, Cleveland Farrell, because that's a great opportunity for him and, and a great landing spot for Farrell too. No better landing spot. I, I feel like in the, in, in the NFL, especially again with the attention that Nick Bosa is going to draw. You know, he's going to get doubled. He's going to be tripled sometimes. Sometimes I feel like there's four guys that touch him on the play, whether it's a, a tackle, a guard, then a running back, and then another guy trying to chip him with you know a tight end. You know, and that's consistent throughout games. So if he's getting that much attention, it should help you be a little bit more productive. Get them to focus more on you. Now, it didn't work as well with. Uh, Crosby, and I'm pretty sure Crosby got a lot of attention as well, but hopefully with Kasarik, he just put him in position. Look, you don't have to be the fourth overall pick with the 49ers. You just have to be good in this role. We just need you to do this. We don't need you to be the well-rounded guy and dynamic guy that, that you were drafted to be. Just be good at this specific thing, and if you could do that, you will drastically help this team. Yeah, and they want him to be that edge player all the time. And I think moving around and playing some inside will really help him and probably help his pass rush production as well, rushing yeah. from the interior, where he might have an athletic advantage on some guards where he didn't outside on the edge. Right. Oh, but the Niners lost a couple players, Croc. And, and I think this is also, with some budget moves here for the 49ers, an indication of what we talked about on yesterday's podcast is they don't have a lot of money left. They're, you know, people are talking about, oh, they're going to bring in Darius Slay. No, they didn't bring in Darius Slay. They brought in Isaiah Oliver. You know, uh, they're not bringing in uh, Zadarius Smith. They brought in Cleveland Farrell. So I think that's what we can expect here is really budget moves from here on out for the 49ers as it pertains to free agents in the offseason. And uh, looking at the players they lost on the defensive line, man, Danny Brunskill gone too. So we'll talk about Brunskill. We'll talk about the, the defensive backs here in a second. But uh, I just want to finish the conversation about the 49ers defensive line. Charles Amenehu. 
gets a two-year, $20 million contract, $10 million per year with the Kansas City Chiefs and Samson Abelcom, a three-year contract with the Indianapolis Colts at $8 million per year, three years, $24 million. So both of those, you know, good on them for getting paid. But what we've seen from the 49ers, I think this is the smart way to do it. And they just, you know, and to me, look, that those two guys combined, that's that's Hargrave's salary. So give me Hargrave all day rather than signing both, Able common and Amenahu and bringing them back and give me, you know, give me some budget moves, give me some draft picks to go with Javon Hargrave. So I'm all about it for the 49ers. I like the moves on the defensive line, even though I think they still need to hit the draft to, to finish this thing off. But you kind of see where their rotation is starting to look like in 2023. Yeah, I, I'm really liking what they've done. And I, I've seen a lot of people kind of hit the panic button a little bit because you look at the departures and then guys that they brought in and is not quite evening out, evening, evening out. But I think it is evening out the way that they want it to. In the sense of, again, just guys are to come in and do a very specific role. Look at the 49ers cornerbacks. Like, they need depth. They have a lot of young guys. Go out and get a guy like Isaiah Oliver. Um, before we got on here, you talked about him being a shadow draft uh, pick for you. That's right. Uh, he was a guy, for me, who I believe I had him at CB3 behind Denzel Ward and Jair Alexander. So, you know, I, I was pretty high on him as well with just kind of what his skill set is and and, uh, how that could fit potentially in the 49ers defense. I thought he was a guy that fit very well. Uh, The NFL has changed a lot since then. The 49ers have changed a lot since then. They run a lot more too high, a lot more quarters. Can he play that? I've seen Atlanta kind of utilize him a little bit more in the slot as well as being able to go, you know, on the outside. Uh, Obviously, had an interception against the 49ers, but, you know, I'm curious to see where exactly do they play him because the 49ers do need help in the nickel as well. He'd be more of a bigger nickel, though. He, he's not the, uh, you know, Samuel Womack, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, guy. Uh, he, he's a little bit more, you know, 6'1", uh, probably close to 200 pounds. So uh, do the 49ers go more the Carlos Rogers style uh, nickel? <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. You know, it's funny that you brought that up about him having a pick against the 49ers. And, you know, T.Y. McGill was really good against the 49ers in the preseason. All of a sudden, they, they snatched him off the – the Vikings practice squad that you see that a lot in the NFL where, where players that play really good against the team, those teams, they notice it and they're like, well, this guy wrecked our game. So let's, uh, let's bring him onto our team. Um, more on Isaiah Oliver, more. Uh, we got some questions from the listeners about the, the 49ers defensive backfield, how that's starting to shape up right now. Daniel Brunskill on the way out as well. Uh, so a lot more to cover here from free agency on this edition of locked on 49ers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's now the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The NBA season heating up. Teams fighting for playoff spots. Major League Baseball season getting ready to go. There's tons of draft props and NFL futures at FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. Uh, Partners in the NFL, partners in the NBA, and now a partner with you because new customers Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You bet on everything you want. Talked about all the props. Uh, There's tons of parlays, which are super fun. I love the website. The layout uh, could not be easier to navigate and and make your bets. You've got money line bets, point scores, three-pointers drained in basketball games. Of Of course, the NCAA tournament is upon us as well. And FanDuel lets you combine those bets for a bigger chance at a payout with same-game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Isaiah Oliver is an interesting one. And again, it's a we know it's a two-year deal. We still don't know what the dollar amount is, but I have a sneaking suspicion, Croc, that he's going to come in a little bit less than what Emmanuel Mosley got, or at least the first year will be less than what Emmanuel Mosley got because of the ACL. Interestingly enough, Isaiah Oliver came off his own ECL injury last year. So he's a, a one year ahead of where Emmanuel Mosley is on his ACL injury and a really start, a really slow start to Isaiah Oliver's career. But I remember having you on the podcast and we talked a lot about Isaiah Oliver. We we're both really high on Isaiah Oliver. That's why he was my shadow 49ers pick in the second round of 2018. That was the Dante Pettis pick, by the way. So I think score one for Peacock in that column. Um, but he, he started out slow and, you know, he's a big corner, six feet, six feet, one, 200 pounds. He had those long 33 and a half inch arms, I remember. And he was the prototype of the old, you know, original Sala cover three, traditional cover three defense where you want those super long corner. And so I thought he was a perfect fit. Turns out he went to Atlanta who were running that with Gus Bradley at the time as well. So that was the style of corner they thought he was. But he didn't really take off early in his NFL career, Croc playing outside corner he kind of he kind of took off when he started playing a little bit more in the slot even though he's not your 59 k1 williams right he's a bigger he's a bigger slot which is really interesting and i wonder why that is and i'm interested to watch more of isaiah oliver because that you know a lot of times we get it right you know cleveland farrell kind of saw what he was and um We've talked before about how, you know, uh, Jerry Judy is a good one, who I love Jerry Judy coming out and he had these great feet and he could separate, but I didn't love him at the catch point. You see him in the NFL, he's getting all kinds of separation, but he's bad at the catch point. It was holding him back a little bit in his NFL yeah. career. A lot of times, you know, it's not that surprising. And you see the things that you saw in college and you see those things that you saw in the scouting report show up in the NFL. And sometimes they fix those things that are the negatives, and sometimes the the positives don't don't shine as much, and or sometimes it's just magnifying everything that you saw in college, and that's kind of what it was with Cleveland Farrell. But uh, the the Isaiah Oliver scout report kind of kind of threw me for a loop, and so I'm wondering if they see a big slot corner, if they're going to try to use him outside, you know, with a big corner. Anytime you have a corner over 200 pounds, you think, oh, maybe this guy could play safety. If you could play in the slot, it seems like you're 200 pounds in the slot. You should be able to play some safety. Or maybe that's what they think the role is, is, is he's going to do all three and just be a really versatile piece. Uh, to me, though, this is more replacing Jimmy Ward than replacing probably um, Emmanuel Mosley. Do you read it the same way with Isaiah Oliver? I, I could see that somebody with some of that kind of versatility be able to play. I mean, you think about Jimmy Ward. He's played all over the defense for the 49ers, yeah. right? Played corner, played nickel, played corner again, played safety, went back to nickel, played corner again. I mean, he, they, you know, just all the coaching changes. I'm not quite sure if, if Oliver is that guy. And when you think of Jimmy Ward, and a lot of people, you know, he was drafted to 49ers. They're like, oh, he's going to play nickel. And they're like, well, when you watch his college film at, I believe it was, what, Northern Illinois, he was kind of a quarters safety who played a lot of coverage on slot receivers. So it kind of was right up his alley. You know, Oliver has kind of been the opposite up until probably like this last year. So, you know, how good was he with that? You know, a lot of challenges for guys that are bigger like that with the, you know, in the slot is a change of direction. It's typically not great, right? The, the, the taller you get, the longer you get, the, the more you kind of uh, miss out on the change of direction and being able to uh, match the movement skills of some of these smaller guys in the slot. But if they feel like, you know what, there's a lot of big slots in the NFL right now, you know, I, I think we could utilize this guy here, then 
Uh, maybe that's what they're doing, but I see him potentially as an outside guy. And I think that's where the 49ers need a lot of the depth. Because if you think about the nickel, there is Samuel Womack. We know he can play there. There is Diamondola Lenore. He played a lot outside, but we know starting off the season, where was he playing, right? After Womack kind of, I don't know, he was kind of, I guess, went to bed. I thought he played well, but then next thing you know, he was benched. <laughs> You know what's odd is the Womack timeline is looking exactly like what the Diamador Lenore timeline was the year before. Right. You know what I mean? And and we've seen the second year takeoff from some uh, prospects. And and I think Womack's a perfect example of a guy who could really take off here in year two and just run with that that slot corner position because it sounds like the 49ers want to keep – like I think everything that's gone on this offseason is a huge vote of confidence for Diamador Lenore as a starting cornerback across from Charvarius Ward. So – um, to me, Isaiah Oliver is a depth piece that could back up multiple spots, but I think it's on Sam Womack to come in in year two and go win that job at nickel. And so that's what I'm looking for. You know, similarly, I'm looking for Drake Jackson to go win that job at edge. Don't let Cleveland Farrell come in and take that from you and at least be the guy on third downs on the outside, even if Farrell's or, or you know, maybe they're mixing up with Armstead on the outside and, and Kinlaw inside. So there's some versatility here when we're talking about the, the secondary and the defensive line. Um, and a little bit more depth now with Oliver, but I'm still not exactly sure if I feel great about how it's shaping up. I'm good with the D-line right now. Um, I, I'm, it's still a wait and see. We're, we're going to have to see post-draft what the 49ers look like in the defensive secondary because I think there's a chance that they could be worse than they were last year because I think they're coming in with less depth. And I, I would I, Last year with Ward and Mosley, with the other guys at depth, was a better place to start than the 49ers are starting now without Mosley and starting with the guys who were depth last year as the guys. Right, because, I mean, you, you could maybe say, can, can Isaiah Oliver make a case to actually start? We're talking about him as a depth piece. Yeah. But could he come in and just be like, oh, man, we got a veteran who could play on the outside, has a versatility to play inside, and, hey, we're signing you. You know, It's a two-year deal. We actually want you to start over Diamond Lenore. I wonder if that's the case, and, and I think we'll find out when we see what the dollars are for both Farrell and Isaiah Oliver, because both those guys were starters, and th both those guys were drafted with you know what top fifty picks, top four pick for for Cleveland Farrell. I think Isaiah Oliver was a fifty something maybe overall uh, in twenty eighteen. So uh, that's yeah, that, that they've both played a lot. They're both still pretty young. Farrell's going to turn twenty six, and Isaiah Oliver is about twenty six and a half right now. So. Um, yeah, I think the dollars will tell us what the 49ers think. But to me, I'm not ready to plug either one of those guys in uh, as starters for the 49ers. We do have a question here that I want to address when it comes to the defensive backfield from a listener uh, on Twitter. This is from... This is, if I can find it, from Chris on Twitter. He said, as the 49ers look at internal options at defensive back, Diamond Lenore, uh, Sam Womack... I have a question. What happened to Ambry Thomas last year? He was playing a big role in 2021 playoffs. Is he no longer an option? Maybe a bad fit based on scheme? What's going on with Ambry Thomas cry? I think that's the million-dollar question. And with some of these guys, you just never know. I, I'd say this, at least from my experience uh, in my short time in the NFL, the, the mental aspect of it is drastically different. You know, I think you know a lot of people that listen to the podcast, uh, you and I, we just love football. We love it, right? But when you get into the NFL and you experience the business side of thing, it kind of takes your, your love away from it a little bit. And it's just kind of like, hey, this is my job. But some guys go about it a different way and understanding what goes into it because it's drastically different than what you've done your entire life. Like your whole life, you've just enjoyed playing football. And then once you get a taste of this business side of things, 
where, man, I was a third round draft pick. Okay, boom, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And then you start kind of, you know, coaches play mind games with you. Maybe they talk to you a certain way. Now all of a sudden you're just on the bench. You're not playing. And and I'm not saying he's doing this, but at times you can kind of start going through the motions a little bit. And now all of a sudden you're not improving. And we've heard Kyle Shanahan say, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And when you look at Ambry Thomas, who had an opportunity late in 2021 season, and then you thought he was getting better, but then as soon as 2022 offseason started, it felt like, hey, man, this guy is kind of far behind. And then camp starts, and he's getting bombed on, and it's not looking great, and you're not really hearing all these great things about Ambry Thomas, a guy who you thought would really take that next step in his game. And we know how Kyle Shanahan, those guys, they're going to challenge you, and maybe he didn't answer the challenge extremely well but a lot of times it's not so much that a guy can't play man it's that mental part of it whether it's on the field with x's and o's and understanding all the different assignments that you're asked to do or kind of the mental gymnastics that you have to play with these uh coaches and some of the things they do to try to either motivate you or weed you out it's funny because we see it feels like Debo has all the um you know like all the helium with the team right now and and uh he's gonna be the guy corner but that's what we thought about amber thomas last year and before the charvarius ward we're like oh man maybe let's go with amber thomas as the starting cornerback and they're not going to sign anybody at corner so who knows maybe sam womack shows up and he wins a job outside we're talking about him in the slot maybe it's isaiah oliver i don't know because you got to come sharp every season's a new season so uh this is going to be interesting how things do shake out here in the secondary including amber thomas and you know we were leaving aaron banks for dead and he comes out and he played awesome at left guard after not being a factor at all as a rookie so every right. season's a new season and, and all these guys have opportunities and i think there's going to be quite a competition and by the way steve wilkes he's a former db's coach too so that's his specialty so we'll see how he coaches these guys up in the secondary for the 49ers in 2023 next demetrius flanagan Foles, backup linebacker was not tendered a restricted free agent contract and the niners lose maybe their most versatile offensive player Yes, I said that. We got, I mean, we're talking Christian McCaffrey and we're talking uh, Kyle Juszczyk, Debo Samuel. There's another guy that played even more positions than those guys on the San Francisco 49ers offense in the Kyle Shanahan era, Daniel Brunskill. That's right. He is now a member of the Tennessee Titans. We'll get to that and more next. I do want to thank everybody for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out a brand new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You remember the Draft Dudes? Yes. Listen to Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, also the hosts of Locked On Bills and Locked On Dolphins, respectively. Uh, from the Draft Network, those guys have done great stuff with the Draft for so long. They got a new podcast here talking uh, salary cap management, NFL Draft, free agency, and more so, Locked On NFL Draft with the Draft Dudes. Find it everywhere, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm excited about that. New yeah. Show. Uh, good dudes. I love talking to them. They've been on this show. I've been on their shows. And uh, they always bring the heat when it comes to the draft. And I just listened to the first episode of the new pod talking about free agency and breaking all that down. So, uh, you definitely a must listen here on the network. We got tons of great folks here on the network. It's an unbelievable amount of talent here. Um, the 49ers losing some talent, Croc. Dan Bronskill, Aaron Donald's father, as he is sometimes known. Uh, I'm sad about this one. He's been the 49ers sixth man on the offensive line, started a lot of games, uh, really helped, I think, Spencer Burford along, and they were kind of you know back and forth at right guard this year. But 
He's played center. He's played left guard. He's played right guard. He's played both tackle spots. He can play any five of the offensive line spots on the San Francisco 49ers. Again, it's a two-year contract with the Tennessee Titans. So Rand Carthon coming hard at 49ers players, bringing in uh, Aziz Alshair and Daniel Brunskill. And I have a feeling Alshair is going to definitely be a starter for the Titans at linebacker. I wonder if Daniel Brunskill might find a home as a starting player. And he didn't want to come back to the 49ers as a sixth man. He wanted to be that starter. And I have a feeling he's going to get that opportunity with the Tennessee Titans. It's just a question of which position he's going to play in Tennessee. Yeah, you, you don't know. And again, there was a time where I thought, oh man, Joe Staley's retiring. Okay, it's cool. The 49ers have Daniel Brunsko to go out there and play tackle, which he played tackle and he played tackle extremely well when he played. Now, I say extremely well, but maybe it was just well for a guy who was a reserve player. But I thought he was solid there. I thought he was actually better at tackle than he was at guard. So... Uh, that is, you know, kind of how I feel about him. And obviously, tackle is a more valuable position. But you you need those type of guys. We talked about guys who just have a role. And his role was, wherever you need me, I'm ready to go. I can play. And there's not this drastic drop-off. I'll, I'll, I will always remember Colin Kaepernick's first start against Chicago Bears. And a lot of people remember Colin Kaepernick and kind of, man, he came out. And, man, he looked good. He's throwing the ball down the field. But what they forget is on the other side of the ball. Alden Smith destroyed some tackle. I don't know who that tackle was, but all night long, just Alden was just destroying them, spin moves, throwing them around. I think he had five sacks in that game. And Daniel Brunsko was never that guy. Like, he was never the guy that you just had to say, you know what, this guy can't hold his own at all in this ball game. Again, not some great all-pro uh, offensive lineman, but he was always solid. You could always count on him to come in and just do well. So uh, it is unfortunate to lose a guy like that, especially when a lot of NFL players or teams are trying to have good offensive linemen. There's a shortage of it. And he was a guy who, if any of your uh, starting five go out, or you got a guard, Spencer Burford, who, you know, he's like, okay, get him in. Okay, let's uh, pull him back a little bit. Okay, uh, Daniel Brunsko, go get some reps. Okay, let's take Brunsko out. Okay, uh, Spencer Burford, go back in there. But however you want to utilize him, he was ready for that. That, and there wasn't this drastic drop off to where it was like, man, this guy just can't play in the NFL. So uh, I think that is between him and probably like Aziz. Like those, those would be some signings that would be kind of like, dang, kind of missed that guy. Yeah, and kudos to Rand Carthon because I think those are going to be really nice signings. I don't, I don't know what the money is for either one of those. They haven't been released yet, but I have a feeling those will be guys that are that are high level contributors for a football team that they're not breaking the bank on either. So. Um, Smart dude. Paid attention while he was uh, scouting with the San Francisco 49ers as well. So uh, good on Rand Carthon for getting things going in the right direction with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, speaking of second-year players, there, there's some big opportunities in the offensive line. Obviously, Spencer Burford is either by himself now at right guard, maybe has a chance to kick out the right tackle and compete there. Um, the Looking at the 49ers' restricted free agents, they did, instead of doing the, the free agent tender, they signed uh, – Colton McKivitz to a two-year contract. So, you know, if you're you're penciling in players right now, it'd be Burford at right guard and Colton McKivitz probably at right tackle. But last year's sixth-round pick, Nick Sakel, was getting some work at center. And, I mean, camp superstar Jason Poe, undrafted free agent. They stuck onto him all stuck with him all year long. Uh, I, I like Jason Poe as a breakout player, too, in, in year two. So I, I think it's going to be a big year for that 2022 draft class when we're talking drake jackson needs to take a big step sam womack has an opportunity to be the the number one nickel probably um 
You got Jason Poe, undrafted guy. You've got the, I mean, maybe he's the right guard and you kick Spencer Burford out. Uh, I would like to see Poe get some reps at center as well. I think he has a legit shot this year. He was on the practice squad last year to actually make the roster uh, in 2023 and, and Nick Sakel as well in the mix. So, and no doubt there's going to be some rookies battling with those guys, but a lot of second year guys with some big opportunities this year. I would say that I think a lot of times we've kind of forget, right? Like, you know, off the top of the head, if you were to say, what are the 49ers weaknesses? You might point to edge rusher, man. They need the edge rusher. Well, it's like you did invest in the guy, second round pick, late second round, but however you see it in, there's some talent there. There's some potential yeah. there. You gotta kind of see it through, unless you're just like just really able to just improve on it. Which I would say right now, at least through the draft, you probably won't be able to. Maybe if you go like, oh man, let's go get Jadavion Clowney, who just got released from the Cleveland Browns. Then okay, you just know more of what you're getting. But when you have some of these guys like Zakel and and others, kind of gotta see them play to know if they can play. And really give them the opportunity and not just, uh, you know, looking at reports of training camp. Oh, man, you know, look like this or, oh, he, he had a bad day because, you know, he missed this block or whatever. Like, dude, they got to go through it. When you think about anything in life, right? Like everybody, you, myself, you you go through ups and downs and you have to be bad to get better. When I first joined this show, people couldn't stand me and wanted me off the show, right? Like you remember that? You remember the comments, the reviews? <laughs> there was a, a Reddit, a whole Reddit post of just get Eric Crocker out of there. And now it's like, hey man, people love the show. So like, you know, you have to go through ups and downs. You got to figure it out. We had to build our, you know, continuity and, and cohesiveness. And I think uh, some of these young guys, they need that opportunity as well. Man, I didn't know there was a whole Reddit post about that. Oh, yeah, there was That's a whole crazy. Reddit post. Somebody tagged you know, me in it. You know, Croc, you did ruin my 5.0 Apple podcast rating. I, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I was like shocked. I was like, I still have a 5.0 rating with hundreds and hundreds of ratings. That is, it does not happen. But you know what's funny is people would die if you left the podcast now, Croc. So you can't leave like you want anybody. <laughs> people just hate change. That's what it is, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I think we got better, and I think we make each other better as well because we're a good team here on on Lockdown Forty yeah, Nine. Actually, team. speaking of second year guys, we're like we're like we're like uh, John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball. He's another second year guy. Has a chance to make an impact. I loved what I saw. I, I, I the, the two best undrafted free agents I thought this year for the Forty ers uh, Jordan Mason, another running back, he was pretty good as well. But I think Jason Poe and Marcelino McCurry ball at linebacker. And with the 49ers not tendering a restricted free agent contract with Demetrius Flanagan Foles, he that was surprising to me. A, a little surprising. Yeah, he's been around for a while and then they spent the time developing him. And so you got Oren Burks, you got Marcelino McCurry ball, but I think that's a position the 49ers are going to hit in the draft. And I think to end the week here, Croc, we should probably sort of like reshuffle things and, and look at what the, the new updated team needs are for the 49ers heading in through the rest of free agency in the draft because I think linebacker definitely jumps up in those rankings and I think it's a really good place to draft linebackers where the 49ers have a bunch of picks this year but Marcelino McCrary Ball I think uh, I'd probably pencil him in a linebacker four at this point you got Curtis Robinson's been a special teams guy but he wasn't really even uh, you know on the active roster at the end of the year either so uh, there's going to be some competition there at linebacker after obviously Fred Warner, who just got his contract restructured, by the way, it was announced to to make a little space for the 49ers. I think that's just so they can operate and sign their draft picks. I don't think that's because any more big moves are coming. But who knows? Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch do have a way of surprising us. So we'll see if there's any more surprises in free agency, any big trades happening with the San Francisco 49ers. If there are, of course, Croc and I will be with you every day here 
and have you covered with it. Uh, thanks so much for making us your first listen. Make sure you check it out. The new Locked On Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes. Make sure you check out my other pod on the network with former NFL scout Matt Williamson, the Peacock and Williamson NFL, covering the entire league every single day. And Croc and I will be back tomorrow right here. Locked On 49ers.